Did everybody get a communion this morning when you came in? Is there anybody that did not get communion when you first came in this morning? If you didn't, would you mind raising your hand? Usher will make sure that you get one in case you didn't. And would you stand up with me? I want to read to you a scripture out of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and I'm going to read to you out of verse 28 and verse 29. And it says this, it says, But let man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. This morning I want to talk to you about what that means, discerning the Lord's body. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, we invite you to speak to our hearts. We thank you for what you're about to do. Lord, as we open your word, Lord, may it open up to us. We thank you in the mighty, precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I read that verse to you because I really have had this on my heart with discerning the table of the Lord. So at the end, we're going to receive communion together. But I want to talk a little bit about this. So I want to read again this verse over in 1 Corinthians. I actually want to read it to you out of the uh, Living Bible. The Living Bible in verse 29 says this. It says, For if he eats the bread and drinks the cup unworthily, not thinking about the body of Christ and what it means, he is eating and drinking God's judgment upon himself, and he is trifling with the death of Christ. Now, before I go any farther, let's turn over to Isaiah. <clears throat> Take your Bible if you brought it. How many of you brought your Bible this morning? It's so convenient and you have it on your phone and every, everywhere else. But turn over to Isaiah 53. I want to read um, a very familiar verse. Of course, verse 5 is very familiar to us, but I want to read this verse, uh, verses 1 through 5. Actually, I'm going to lay this out a little differently here. So, in Isaiah 53, look at verse 1. It says, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. For he has no form or splendor. And when, he, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Verse 3, he is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. And then verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. By his stripes, we are healed. That same verse in the New Living Translation says, He was whipped so that you and I could be healed. He was whipped so that you and I could be healed. So the answer to the prophet's question in the first part of that verse where it says, To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? It has his arm 
arm and his his arm of power and deliverance has been revealed to everyone who believes the testimony with all their heart they hear the testimony and they believe it and they decide yes that is for me that's our responsibility as Christians is not just to read something and say you know what I did my duty I read it you know I read my Bible my daily Bible reading plan or or I heard this and I read that and that sounds good our responsibility as Christians is to be a believer that's what a Christian is it's one who believes that we trust what God said amen so with that in mind let's look now back up to verse 4 verse 4 says surely he hath borne our sicknesses and carried our pain so oftentimes when I think about Calvary and I think about the death of Christ and how he died on the cross the first thing that pops in my mind is salvation that he died so that I could be saved but very seldom do I think about the other side of that coin that he took the stripes on his back so that I could be healed this is real important because he brings out both of these in what we're talking about this morning. He had borne our sickness and carried our pains. The emphasis is salvation, but salvation is two parts. Salvation for your soul, but also salvation for your body. That's important, isn't it? And so then in verse 5, salvation for the soul and the body are linked together. Look at verse 5 again. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. That's our soul. That's sin, right? And then the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. That's soul and body. Salvation and healing, right? So, in verse 10, I want you to look at this. This is interesting. The Rotham emphasized Bible says this about verse 10 in that second phrase. He laid on him sickness. Sickness was laid on Jesus. He paid the price for it so that we could have it. Isn't that a blessing? So, Jesus then paid for more than we've been receiving. So much of church, I'm discovering, you know, as we, we traveled, my wife and I traveled for five years with our family. We, we were in a different church every Sunday. Man, do that for a while. That'll, that's interesting. You know, and so we were always in a different place and we were always going to a different service. And everywhere I went, it seemed to be the same formula that people would come to church, people would get convicted during the message, the message was always about salvation, and they would raise their hand to get saved and they would count the hands. How many hands went up? And the end goal was that I would give my life to Jesus. I would pray this prayer, come to the altar, pray this prayer, or however they decide to do it in your seats, or raise your hands, whatever it is. And, I, and pray this prayer. And then the end goal was they go from there to water baptism and then serve on a team. 
and this was the end goal. And then serving on a team in these small groups was where discipleship was supposed to happen. But here's what I've discovered. God is responsible for justification. Justification I couldn't do. You and I can't do anything to earn salvation, can we? Yeah, that's a good place to say no, absolutely not. I can't do anything to earn God's salvation. Many Christians try, but you can't. So justification is God. Sanctification, that's up to God. Sanctification is up to me. What happens during sanctification? A transformation happens in a Christian's life. You go from being an old sinner saved by grace to now a new creation in Christ Jesus, the righteousness of God in Christ. But it takes, it's going to cost. It's going to cost you something. Anything worth having in your life is going to cost you. Why is it that we have to pay a price for everything else, but we all say salvation is free? And I'm not going to, yeah, it is. It is a free gift, but transformation and sanctification is going to cost you. And this is where some people check out. I just want Christianity to be a part of our life, part of my life. Here's, here's what happened. Here's what's, here's the dilemma with get saved, get baptized, and serve on a team approach to Christianity. The retention is, they're finding is two years. And then people go, you know, I tried that Christianity stuff. It was cool. Why is that? They never really encountered God. They never had a sanctification transformation experience where, where they decided, you know what? I found the pearl of great prize and I don't want anything else. I'm willing to give up everything else in my life so that I can have this. What if somebody took away everything from you except Jesus? Would you be content? That's a solid question right there. Would you be content? God, oh man. Or would you be like this? God, man, you can take my house, you can take my car, you can take my dog, you can take my finances. But I thank you, Lord, that nobody will ever be able to take you away from I like what Brian Guerin said. I, I was listening to him in an interview. And if you don't know who Brian Guerin is, he's a minister. He pastors, I believe, in Atlanta, Georgia. And I mean, anyway, he's real in tune with the Spirit of God. And you can, anyway, I liked what he said. I was listening to him in an interview and they were asking him, how come you're so on fire for God? And he said, easy. I found the X on the treasure map. I mean, what, what else would I want but the X? But here's the problem with a lot of Christians is they haven't found the X. They haven't found the pearl of great prize where you're willing to sell everything that you own so that you could have this. Does it, does it mean that to you? And, and because of this, 
we have settled for salvation, a ticket to heaven, a prayer that we pray at an altar. And yeah, yeah, I prayed. I received Jesus. Yes, but has he transformed your life? Have you given him all of you? Have you allowed him to become your Lord? Or were you just scared you didn't want to go to hell? That's a good starting place. That's how I got saved at six. My mom, uh, they trained her. Uh, we were a part of the United Methodist Church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And I remember they trained my mom how to witness to people. And so my mom came home and she, she practiced on my sisters. And my sisters gave their lives to the Lord. Had no idea what, what, probably what was going on at the time. I don't know. Maybe they did, but she led them to the Lord. And I was listening to my sisters talk, and they were talking about this place like called heaven, and they were talking about this place called hell. And as they were talking about it, I just went, well, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. Hell sounds like a terrible place. So I came in and sat down with my mom at the kitchen table and said, I want to make Jesus my Lord. How do I get saved? And mom prayed with me, didn't you? We prayed together, and that was all I knew. But how many of you know that's a good starting place, but that's not where God intended for us to stay? What if I came into, I, I, wanna, I want to come into the presence of God, and I come into the tabernacle, and I'm in the outer court, and I stop at the altar of sacrifice because this is where most Christians stop, right here. The altar of sacrifice is the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. I mean, that in of itself is amazing. That's a good place to stop and hang out for a while. But how many of you know there's a reason that the curtain in the temple was ripped in two in between the holy place and the holy of holies? What is God saying? He's saying, come in here. I want you to come and be a, a part of my life. I want to be able to put my arms around you. Jesus is called the bridegroom for a reason. We're called the bride for the same reason huh. he loves he can't wait to come back and to bring us to himself but while we're here Jesus came and he paid this amazing penalty so that we wouldn't stop at the altar of sacrifice at the cross but that we would come on into the holy place and then enter into the holy of holies and be able to love on our Father and allow Him to transform our life. What if we went from a place of sin to a place of, uh, I have a hang-up, I can't seem to stop committing this sin, to a place of we have encountered the Holy Spirit so much in our life that the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing our sail and we have no desire to sin anymore because we're in His presence all the time. Lead me not into temptation. Holy Spirit won't lead you there. We go there on our own. Remember Proverbs? Don't walk down her street. What happens if we turn? Start walking down the street. But what if the Holy Spirit... <laughs> what if... What if we allowed him to have that much of our life that, that he was directing things? He was directing traffic. In our life, he's saying, hey, Phil, go and head in this direction. Go over here. Do this. What if you did that in your business? What if you 
did that on the job. Man, I mean, the Holy Spirit is empowering you and you. And uh, suddenly, people see you've just got a smile on your face and you're just excited to be where you are because you know you have a calling in the place that God has opened up for you to be right now. And so you're impacting lives while you're being the best worker that they have. They don't want to let you go. And when you leave, they understand because God has promoted you. I had a place tell me one time, I I had to work part-time for a while because I was doing what I needed to do. I had two jobs. I was working one job and then I worked an evening job at this evening shift. And while I was at this evening shift, um, God opened up the door that I didn't have to work there anymore. He gave me a promotion at the other job. And so I was able to step out of that. And they told me, if you ever leave this place, they won't ever hire you back. I wasn't hoping that they would hire me back, but the, the, the GM came to me. And he said, Phil, I just want you to know, I want to thank you for the great job that you've done while you're here. You've been faithful. You've shown up on time. You've worked hard while you're here. But I want you to know that if for some reason things don't work out over there, you'll always be able to come back and work here. I'm looking at him like, you don't hire people back. Look at that. What is that? It's the favor of God. I made an impact. Holy Spirit made an impact there because I quit being frustrated about my job. I quit murmuring. I quit complaining. And I started being thankful. I bring my Bible and read on break. Okay, I'm like way off of my message, but this is for somebody this morning. Amen. Ah, okay, let me get back on track here. Isaiah 53, I said in verse 10 that he laid on him sickness. See, Jesus paid for sickness. So, now think about this. Israel, when they were in Egypt, and it was reaching the end of the 400 plus years that they had been there, and now all these plagues have happened, and the last plague is about to happen, which is the plague of, you know, where the firstborn die. And so what did God tell them to do? He said, I want you to take a lamb that's within its first year, a a lamb without spot or blemish, and and kill it in the prescribed way, and then you're going to spread the blood on the doorposts, on the lintel, right? And so there's something, though, that was a part of that command that sometimes, I mean, the emphasis is on the Cecil B. DeMille. You know, you're watching the blood get put on, right? The doorposts. So that's cool. But there's something I don't want to skip over in that verse. And that's this. It's in Exodus 12 and in verse 8. This was the other command. So he gave the command to do that with the lamb. He gave the command to put the blood on the doorpost. But then he also commanded in verse 8, he said, then you shall eat the flesh that night. The flesh of what? The flesh of the lamb. Okay. Who is the Passover lamb? Jesus. Jesus is the Passover lamb. So... What did Jesus say? Let's, in fact, flip over there, over to Matthew, or uh, John chapter 6. This was the, this was the sermon of all sermons. This was your greatest church growth sermon, Jesus, where everybody left him. He preached this message and everybody left. 
in John 6, in verse 53, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Oh, everybody started leaving. No, this is a hard saying. Who can accept this? Because oftentimes, Jesus would say something and people would take him literally in the physical sense, but not literally in the spiritual sense. It was the same as when Jesus, remember when he came and he drove out all of those that bought and sold in the temple, you know, and then they said, by what authority do you do this? Give us a sign for why you do this. And he said, okay, here's a sign for you. Tear down this temple and in three days, I'll build it again. I imagine they started laughing. This this temple took 50 years to build. What do you mean you're going to build it in three days? But what was Jesus saying? They were taking him literally in a physical sense. He meant it in a spiritual sense. He's talking about his body. He's saying, no, break this down. So Jesus does the same thing here. So he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood, right? Everybody leaves on that. But yet Paul in 1 Corinthians said that Jesus is the Passover lamb. The Passover lamb is one that you eat and you have to eat all of it. None of it could stay until morning. If there was anything left until morning, they had to burn it. So we're supposed to eat everything. Okay. So Isaiah the prophet, in that last verse, in verse 5, he names two benefits that Calvary, that Jesus paid for on Calvary for us. He said, who forgives all your iniquities and who heals all your diseases. Forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. In Psalm 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, and then who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. But what were those first two? Forgives your iniquities, heals your diseases. We can't accept one and not accept the other. It's not, it's not like Jesus paid for it and then dangles it out like a carrot in front of a donkey trying to get the donkey to go that the donkey's never going to be able to get to the carrot. That's not what healing is supposed to be. Salvation is supposed to come to you and me in body and in spirit. Our soul's supposed to be saved, but our body is supposed to be saved too. So what's the benefit of the bread being broken? Jesus is called the bread of life. In fact, in Bethlehem, Bethlehem was called the house of bread. And it's interesting because to the house of bread came the bread of life. So, so, so what's the significance of that being broken? Isaiah answers that and he says, by his stripes, we are healed right so the wine is the emblem of our sins being forgiven it's the remission of sins the bread is the emblem of the stripes that Jesus took on our back paying for our healing our health okay all right so now go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 
she comes up at the end, I know when to close. <laughs> and she's just playing the whole time. I got five. Oh, well, there it is. There's always been a clock right here in front of me, and I never look at it. So. <laughs> okay, First Corinthians 11. Look at verse 28 again. Let's read 28 through 30 this time. So, First Corinthians. It says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. He who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Look at verse 30. Notice the phrasing here. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. Let me read that verse 29 out of the NLT. It says, For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. How do you honor the body of Christ? You believe not only did you receive salvation of your spirit, but you believe that you receive the salvation of your body. Healing. All right. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm showing you from Scripture, right? This is not my opinion up here. I'm just making sure. Okay, and then he goes on to say, he says, By honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. So, so for this cause, not discerning the, the Lord's body, many are weak and sickly among you. Okay, so discerning his body will bring deliverance from disease. Just like appropriating the blood brings forgiveness of sin. I want to read to you something F.F. F. Bosworth said. He said, one reason many fail to get healed is because they have not been taught clearly enough. And they don't come to God with a real purpose in their hearts. They come... And it experiment. Experiment. Let's see if this works. Let's we'll we'll give it a try. If it works, great. If it doesn't, great. But yet what we're getting ready to do in receiving communion is we're getting ready to honor the body that was broken for us. The stripes that were put on his back, that a penalty was paid. A price was paid because Jesus came to restore again back to man what had been stolen in the Garden of Eden. What had been stolen in the Garden of Eden? Not just salvation, not just fellowship with God, because that's what salvation is. Salvation is not a ticket to heaven. It's not. Salvation is a relationship with the Father. It's I get my kids back. I've used this example before. It'd be like CPS coming in and taking somebody's kids away. And what that must be like for the parents, that separation and that, you know, and the parents can't wait to be restored to their parent. You know, the parent can't wait to be restored to the kids. Kids can't wait to be restored back to their parents. We walked through a family with that, uh, in that for, I don't know, six months. It was a long time that they were separated. And when they came back together, oh, the joy, the 
excitement. Man, that's God. I mean, imagine. God's kids are stolen from him in the garden by the enemy. And then God immediately has a plan. Jesus. Jesus comes. He pays the price to restore that fellowship back so that you and I could have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit is here. He is God in you. Holy Spirit. I love the Trinity, man. What a perfect picture of unity. It's the Trinity. All three. God speaks, Jesus goes, Holy Spirit empowers. And now the Holy Spirit is in you. If you've received Jesus, if you've made him Lord of your life, the Holy Spirit has come to live on the inside of you. Oh, and you can have fellowship with him. Do you remember out in the desert? Do you remember when the Israelites had sinned? And when they sinned, serpents began to enter the camp and the serpents were biting people and and they were dying and Moses asked the Lord what do I do and, and the Lord said make a bronze serpent and put it up on a pole and hold it up everyone who looks at the serpent will be healed and so Everyone, you know, he, he made it and put it up on the pole. And everybody who looked at it got healed. They didn't die. So you and I have an option here. Because that serpent represents Jesus. That's a type of Christ example, this serpent on a pole. In fact, it's still the logo that, that many hospitals use. You see it on the side of the EMS, you know, that, that travel around. And so, so you and I have an option. When we get sick, we can look at our condition. We can look at what our body's going through. We can look at what's wrong, or we can look at the Lamb of God who paid the price so that you and I could be healed. And this morning, as we get ready to receive communion, in fact, go ahead and uh, get your bread ready. We've got some new communion for you. It's a little easier to open. And we wanted, we wanted to do this type of communion because, you know, those oyster crackers you can't break. And we felt like, not easily, um, but we felt we really wanted the ability to be able to break the bread. Because how many of you know this is a sacred act? There, there's a reason that Jesus wants us to do this because it would put you and I, he said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Not, hey, remember me. Remember what I did for you. No, it's to remember this, the symbolic things that this bread and this wine represents, this juice. It represents his body broken for you, the stripes on his back so that I could be healed. And it represents the blood that he shed so that I could have forgiveness of sins and I could be restored to my Father. Oh, man. So, what I'd like us to do this morning is if you have any kind of a challenge in your body right now, any kind of a sickness, anything that you're dealing with, we want to appropriate this bread the way the Bible says to appropriate it. 
We want to discern the body, the table of the Lord correctly, which is according to Scripture. I read the Scripture to you. He took the stripes so that you and I could be healed. Wow. So would you take the bread with me this morning? Father, we just thank you so much. God, we can't thank you enough for what you've done for us. And Lord, this bread represents your body that was broken for us. So Father, we thank you for your body that was broken. We thank you that you took every stripe on your backs and on your body so that we could be Father, right now we receive this bread. We thank you for your healing power. Man, just receive it right now.